Another Way to Play, episode 43. This is Naresh Vissa, best-selling author, founder and CEO of Krish Media and Marketing. If you want to learn to make the next chapter of your life better than the last, then you should be listening to Another Way to Play with my friend, Hans Struzina. Welcome to Another Way to Play, your wake-up call to finally make a difference by creating a life defined by freedom. This is about entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and industry professionals that have left the nine-to-five rat race behind by taking that personal leap from where they were to where they want to be. It's time to stop going through the motions, stop hitting the snooze button on your life, and get the insight and inspiration to make the next chapter of your life better than your last. This is Another Way to Play with your host, Hans Struzina. This is Another Way to Play. I am your host, Hans Struzina, and I believe that if you trade hours for dollars, you will never achieve true freedom in your life. Today's guest is the founder and CEO of Krish Media and Marketing, a best-selling author of several books, including Podcastonomics and Fifty Shades of Marketing. It is none other than Narish Vissa. He and I have a really fantastic conversation today. We get into a lot of different things, uh, including uh, his very first foray into entrepreneurship and what actually bit him was a, uh, as he calls it, uh, an apprentice style class in high school where he ended up getting fired. That interest led him to a number of different career choices, uh, including internships at a radio company that ultimately led him to contacts at CNN, working on Wall Street and some investment companies, as well as um, attending grad school and completing his master's. Uh, Ultimately, he went out on his own, um, but not without uh, effort he put in as a side hustle. He talks about the importance of if you're feeling that angst, if you're if you're not in the place that you want to be, don't just give your two weeks and get out there. Uh, start it on the side, go home and work on it after work, on the weekends, and ultimately build yourself up so that when you're ready to step out, you can give yourself a pay raise, which is what he said he did when he quit his a formal job to go focus full-time as entrepreneurship, he actually ended up making a 20% pay raise. Um, He also talks about, we have a really interesting conversation about if he had to start over with $500 and an iPhone, what he would spend it on and how he would start over again uh, in the year 2020. So you're going to want to listen to that at the end. And then we also talk a little bit about writing your own book. A lot of people out there writing books. It's a really interesting uh, place that I know very little about, but want to learn more. And he's got some really great experience that he talks about it uh, there as well. Also, speaking of books, at the very end, he makes a very generous offer to uh, listeners of this show, so make sure you stay tuned all the way to the end so you can hear his offer relative to getting one of the copies of his books for free, so um, stay tuned for the to the very end for that. All of his books are listed down in the show notes, and if you go down there, you can find them. You can find my Calendly link. We can get on a call to, to chat. I would love to hear your feedback about this or any of the other episodes that I've put out, um, what you like like, what you dislike, how I can make them better, uh, on all that good stuff, and just generally getting to know you and having a good conversation. And if you are getting value out of any of these episodes, I would greatly appreciate uh, a review and rating on iTunes because that really helps me uh, gain that critical feedback and grow the show. So uh, 
take a look for that. Um, Go uh, after this episode, go leave a rating and review. I'd really appreciate it. And uh, without any further ado, uh, here is my interview with Naresh Vissa. Naresh, thank you so much for being on the show today, man. Really excited to have you on. It's it's always a pleasure. Looking forward to it. Awesome. Well, uh, we just went through your your background, kind of what you're doing now. Um, it's obviously been a, a longer journey than just a couple of minutes uh, worth of cliff notes. So why don't you build us some context and take us back to where your journey really began? Yeah, well, it, it, it probably began going all the way back to high school, at least my business career. And um, my school, the only kind of business type of course that they offered was when I was maybe 15 or 16 years old. And it was a course modeled after the TV show, The Apprentice. So back then it was around 2004, 2005. And The Apprentice was probably, it was definitely the highest rated TV show on NBC, maybe even the highest rated television show Mm -hmm. on network TV. And I always kind of had an interest in business. I just didn't know anything about it. And so I was like, oh, this, this looks like a business course. Let's, uh, let's, let's take the class. That was my introduction into, into business. And after taking that course, uh, I was actually fired in the, during, during the course. But um, what I learned was that this is something that I want to do. Uh, I want to get into business. Um, I didn't know what type of business, but I knew that uh, I, I thought I was kind of cut out to be a business person. So if you combine that with also I had a passion for uh, like, like media, journalism, reporting, writing, editing. I was a sports editor and editor of my school newspaper and then went on to college to basically combine everything, the, the business side with the media journalism side. And so to keep a long story very short, uh, fortunate to get a paid internship at a financial radio station which got my foot in the door, ended up contracting out to CNN radio at the time, uh, which got sold to Clear Channel Communications. So um, basically had CNN and Clear Channel as clients. And then uh, at the same time, concurrently uh, worked on Wall Street and did just just got great experience when I was younger in my late uh, teens, early 20s, um, mid 20s too. And so that's kind of how I was exposed to uh, business, media, journalism. And I used all those skills and experiences to start Christian Media and Marketing in my mid-20s. That's, that's really cool. So you, you really got exposed to a lot of different angles of business, starting with that business course and then getting into not only journalism side, but then Wall Street and banking and, and that whole world as well, all kind of packed into a pretty tight amount of time because you, you started uh, your company in your 20s. So we're, we're talking five, maybe seven years counting the high school experience. Yeah, well, if you count that, yeah, actually counting the high school experience, we'd probably talk, be talking eight years. But mm. if we're talking the moment that I started that first uh, internship at the financial radio station or the financial radio company, um, until I started my business, we're looking at uh, five years uh, mm-hmm. packed in. So during it was a five years of just a lot of learning, a lot of just improving myself, getting better. Um, and and the and the cool thing is 
when I started or, or my first job out of graduate school. So I worked on Wall Street, went to graduate school, and I was doing all this stuff while in school. I never like dropped out of school or anything. It was always uh, kind of an add-on to mm-hmm. going to school, being a full-time student. So when I, when I uh, had my first job out of graduate school, that was, I was hired because I had a background in media and finance. Well, that company was a financial marketing company. And so I ended up learning um, a lot about online and digital marketing because uh, you just, you just had to, if you wanted to work, no matter what your job function was within the company, you're just exposed to it. And Mm so I don't have any formal education in, in marketing outside of taking marketing courses for my my business degrees, but I, I didn't major in marketing. I didn't minor in marketing. I learned on the fly while I was working full time about the marketing side. I already knew the, the media, digital media side pretty well. And then once I learned the marketing, well, now marketing technology has essentially merged because you can't, you can't do marketing without uh, knowing or understanding technology because that's what, what marketing is all about. And that's what my book, mm-hmm. 50 Shades of Marketing, is is all about as well so i learned the technology stuff after i learned the marketing so i kind of tried to master marketing Mm -hmm. and then i had to i was actually somewhat afraid of technology because it was just intimidating to me Mm -hmm. and so i i learned it i i overcame my fears and now i I consider christian media marketing more a technology company than it is a a media or marketing company interesting I, I've heard a lot of companies who you would think are, you know, a real estate company or a, or a digital company, all kind of considering themselves tech companies. And I've, I guess I haven't really unpacked that other than just to sort of observe it and sort of scratch my head at it. Why is it that you consider uh, yourself a, a tech company first as opposed to a marketing or an advertising or some other type of company? Well, it's, it's largely because um, we use technology as the driver of our business. So without the only reason I'm in business and I'm able to do what, I'm, what I do is because of technology. Without the technology, we wouldn't exist. My, my job function didn't exist 20 years ago. There was no such thing as, as what I do 20 years ago. When I say no such thing, I mean the the e-commerce the online marketing the digital marketing the web development um the podcast production the ebook publishing podcasting came out about 10 years ago um it was they called it something different before 10 years ago but it wasn't obviously what it is today mm-hmm. uh, ebooks weren't around 15 years ago so that's why i say technology has has driven our our business and um, I work from home because almost my computer, that's where things happen. It, it's amazing what can happen when you're in front of a computer. And that's what I've been, not even, Christian Media Marketing has been around for uh, seven years. We're coming up on seven years in March. Mm-hmm. And, um, but, but really, I've been behind the computer for longer than that. It's been, mm-hmm. I would say, 12. We're coming up on 12 years, in my opinion. Um, so. So that's why I say we're, we're a technology company because even when I'm explaining what I do to just regular average Joes on the street, um, 
when I explain it, they say, oh, okay, that's like, you're, you're a tech guy. So you're like doing stuff online and punching keys in front of your keyboard and doing all these things. And yeah, that, that is true. Uh, so it, it's just an easier way to explain things. Well, thank you for unpacking that, that distinction. Cause I, when you take a step back and you really think about it, you're right. Like none of this, like what you and I are doing right now with the microphones and the podcast and the video and the whole thing, uh, wasn't possible even when we were in high school or, or, you know, slightly before that, or even it's in to some degree in college, it's pretty incredible when you really take a step back and look at what technology has allowed us all to do. Taking it a step back into your story here, uh, and into your journey, you, you had all this experience at the uh, Wall Street, you were going to grad school, you had these internships at the radio companies, so you had a, a breadth of experience. Like what was it for you that triggered this idea that you wanted to get out uh, and start your own company, build your own brand and, and start offering products uh, out into the marketplace as opposed to continuing to work in a, in a bigger organization? Well, when I, like you said, I had some great, great experiences for some huge well-known, I already name dropped some of them, but <laughs> even when I was at Wall Street, just worked for some really, you know, household names, big companies that almost everyone in or around the world has, has heard of. And on the one hand, it's like, it, it's somewhat uh, safer and considered prestigious. But on the other hand, uh, they're incredibly bureaucratic, large organizations. And so as a 21 year old, where I was, you know, ready to take New York City by storm and, uh, you know, looking to achieve big things tomorrow, I found that that's not how things work, um, whether it's New York City or just corporatism in general. Mm -hmm. You got to pay your dues, put in your time. Uh, a lot of time, you just have to wait around. It's You just have to wait around and be at a company for a long time. Look, it was great experience. Uh, I'm happy I experienced what I did. It wasn't the most fun. It wasn't the most dynamic positions or, or roles within the organization. Um, and it just, I decided, hey, you know what, this, this just isn't for me. I'm not cut out to be that corporate guy who works for these large household names. It, it's mm -hmm. just not for me. Uh, I'm not about all these having 10 managers above me and all these performance reviews and meetings and um, acting like I'm doing something when in reality, I'm not doing anything. Mm -hmm. I, I just didn't find much meaning in that type of work. And so um, when I was in graduate school, I, I only went for positions that were more dynamic. Uh, but again, one of the problems is you might have a more dynamic role or more dynamic job description, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the job is going to be dynamic. Uh, and what I mean by that is you can still end up working at one of these large bureaucratic companies. The job description might look great, but you're going to find yourself unhappy a year or two down the road. I was very fortunate that um, I was recruited on LinkedIn. So a company just put in a few keywords, found me on LinkedIn, and it turned out this was a medium-sized business. So it was not a, a bank or a brokerage or one of those large bureaucratic firms. They called mm -hmm. themselves a startup, even though they weren't a startup, because um, they did re extremely well, but they said they had a startup vibe and environment, which they did. And um, the culture there, they, they actually hired me as a director. I was the youngest director in the company's history at the time. And so I was given a great deal of autonomy and power and 
uh, almost from the get-go. And the, the, uh, obviously the function was extremely dynamic and I, I was free to just grow my division and manage it appropriately. The philosophy there was if you get hired, you're hired to do a job. So you should do your job. You don't mm -hmm. have all these managers above you who are micromanaging and doing this and that. You just do what you can to the best of your abilities and you'll be treated like, a, like an adult, which surprisingly, the overwhelming majority of companies don't treat their employees or, or even their managers or their directors like that. So it was at this company, um, it was much smaller, less bureaucratic, where I got incredible experience where I learned about online and digital, uh, online and digital business. I learned about big data analytics, just so much that, that I learned. I soaked in as much as I could, even if I felt uncomfortable, even if I knew that uh, something wouldn't help me in my job position. I still took it seriously and I still attended free workshops. I mean, you name it. I was just extremely hungry to just soak in as much as I could learn as much as I could. Um, and so that gave me, that was kind of the trigger where, um, I had spent like my late teenage years, early twenties, always thinking, man, I really want to start my own business. I just don't know how, I don't know what I, I, I know I want to do it at some point and working at that company gave me the vote of confidence. It's like the light bulb went on and it was like, okay, now I'm very confident in my abilities to go out on my own and make things happen. Um, that was the, the, the jolt that I needed. Had I stayed in, in the corporate space on, on the banking side, my life would be extremely, extremely different. I think for mm -hmm. the worse. Um, and yeah. it's, I'm not just talking money finances that are in a bank account. I'm just talking about all different facets of life. So that's yeah. how I made that transition from uh, corporate to on my own. I, I, I would say unique because it sounds like your story sort of crescendoed towards this moment of going out on your own in some interesting ways. And you took full advantage of the training and of the opportunities and of the growth and the learning and in in a lot of these different uh, positions whether you were doing it consciously or not they were sort of teeing you up for stepping into something entrepreneurial and thinking to our audience here is is people who are who are probably in some kind of a corporate environment probably less autonomy than what you just described but are are feeling angsty or looking like or looking around and saying i don't know if i want my boss's position in 20 years and maybe I'm meant for more, maybe I'm cut out for something different. Um, what advice would you give those people uh, who, are, who are feeling it, but don't quite have a clear path or a clear vision on, on how to move towards uh, whatever that path is for them? I'm going to share three or four or five different things here. I've got, I've got a lot to say about the topic. So the first thing I want to say is repeat what I said before whatever your current job is, whatever your function is, whether you like it or not, you want to learn, learn as much as you can soak up as much as you can, uh, skills. You want to, you want to really gain the skills necessary so that you can essentially support yourself if you were to go out on your own. So it's, it's actually not bad. I guess the second thing I want to say, it's not bad to work at a company. Mm -hmm. It's actually great to work at a company because a, you have security, you know, every two weeks you're going to be getting your paycheck and you know exactly how much you're going to get paid, whether you perform or not, whether you're sick or, 
or or not, you're you're going to get that. You've got the health insurance. You've got a lot of great things going for you. So it's not bad. And the best part is a company probably invests in you. So they pay for all your equipment. They pay for your capital. If you um, need to get special training, they'll pay for that. They'll pay for your subscriptions to technology, software. Use it. You th mm -hmm. Those are gifts to you. Don't just take it for granted. And most people I know just take it for granted. They they don't bother going to that conference where they can learn more, about, in my case, where I could learn more about online and digital marketing or about uh, real estate investing or about um, economics. Um, so, so utilize your company. I mean, you, there, I don't want to say all companies are happy to pay for that stuff, but many of them are. And so sometimes they don't even have to send you anywhere. Just use the software, use the technology, get better. That's how I learned, uh, Infusionsoft. It's how I learned so many, I mean, I, so many technologies that, that, that are in play here. So th that's the second thing I would say it's, it's use the company. And the third thing I'd then say is always start something on the side. Don't just quit your, don't listen to my interview today and then say, I'm going to go to my boss and put in my two weeks notice and try to do this on my own. No, you always start it on the side. You have to being a business owner, you have to have a lot of energy. You have to be committed. And so the best test is if you have, you stay at your current job, and start something on the side so that when you get home, you can then work on that other side business and then you see where, where that goes. Um, in my case, by the time I left my full-time job, within one month of leaving, I was making, it's like I gave myself a 20% raise. If you include the, um, the tax benefits and other benefits, it's like I gave myself a 20 to 25% raise. And then on top of that, my time opened up for me. So I wasn't bound to an office or to a, a boss or whatever. Mm -hmm. Now mm -hmm. I was my own boss and, and the time opened up and I was free to, to, to focus on other things that, that were related to my business or to my personal life. So I, I definitely uh, recommend, recommend those things and to follow up on what you said earlier about how I, I put in the work up front in my teenage years and my early 20s. I put in work without really understanding how that work would come in handy in the future. And so I put in all that work. And now I'm in my early 30s. And all that work that I put in in my 20s, uh, getting my business set up, or now multiple businesses set up, generating cash flow, bringing in revenue. Um, at the time I was doing it because I just, I just wanted to make money. I wanted to survive. I wanted to have the freedom to, to do whatever I wanted with my life. And now it's, it's coming even more handy because um, I'm, I'm now married. I've got a, a son on the way very soon and I don't have to be one of those fathers who is at the office five days a week or even seven days a week or on the road all the time, because now it's like I, all that work I put in on my twenties, um, I get to stay at home, uh, see him grow up. And at the same time I get to run my business. So it, it's, it's, it's great. All the while setting an example for him as a way that you can do an alternative lifestyle if you're willing to put in the effort and the work. And I, I love sort of the overarching method or, or message of what you just said, which is, you know, maximize where you are. Like there are, 
like the, all of this takes time, like to build a brand and to build a podcast or to write a book or to start an online business. It takes time to, to really learn that and then to implement and to grow. Taking advantage of what's right in front of you today is crucial when you're, when you're stepping into that world, um, whatever that means for you. And then once you're actually ready, I think the time to go full time will present itself and become pretty obvious. Yeah. And, and I want to reiterate that I didn't plan any of this out. So like somebody came to me a couple of weeks ago and they said, Oh, you know what? I really respect you because you, you're, you're staying at home and you're, you're going to, you know, you're going to be a good father, you're a good husband and this and that. And I told him, I said, look, man, I, when I was 23, 24, when I was 24, 25, I didn't do it because of that. <laughs> like I, in <laughs> fact, I had no idea if I was even going to get married at that age. Um, it just worked out that way. Mm -hmm. And, and so, yeah, it's great. And and now looking back, it's like, wow, all that work that I put in is, is coming handy it, or it's going to come in handy. And I already know my, my son's going to grow up in a completely different generation. Um, by the time he goes to college, I mean, college is going to be the cost of college and the idea of a college degree is going to be seen as something completely different than how we view it today. Um, so uh, he, he'll understand. I think that generation is, um, is, is going to understand it. And we're going to live in a very, very different time, different economy, where there's even more opportunity for, for people. And again, it's all thanks to technology. Technology is what has deflated corporatism, deflated the, the traditional standard way of looking at work and looking at the economy. And it's just, it's just a great, great time for, for newborns to, to come into this world 2020. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, just even something as simple, like I went on vacation over the holidays to Sun Valley, Idaho, where I've been fortunate enough to get a few vacations as a young person skiing. Um, but it was a pretty sleepy little town, except for the peak holiday months. My cousin just recently moved his family from Seattle back there. So we were visiting them and some of my uncles. And they were telling me about how many young families are moving to that and to many other towns like it um, to, to basically telecommute back to Seattle or to LA or to San Francisco or whatever, um, because of the way technology is playing a role in their lives and they can, they don't have to make a choice of you know the great outdoors and a slower pace of life and like this cool awesome job uh, tech job or whatever it is that they were really into and so making those decisions is becoming more and more possible and I, I want to make the distinction when I say technology I'm not saying people need to go to school and get a degree in IT and become some IT guy that that's not what I'm saying at all Technology is changing every job function, every industry. So even if you want to become an accountant or a doctor or lawyer, whatever it is, technology is going to play a major, major role in the outlook of your job and the efficiency of your job and living the life that you want to live. And in the case of actually those fields that I just mentioned in, in law, in, in medicine, they're again seeing... Uh, they're seeing a shrinkage in, mm -hmm. in, in their industries because of technology. But look, jobs are, it's just a job functions are changing. And so mm -hmm. I think personally, no matter what you want to be, whether it's a construction worker or a doctor, like I said, understanding technology 
um, should be a fundamental, really my, my, my key fundamentals to, to success are communication, which consists of reading, writing, and speaking fluently and effectively in English. Um, mm -hmm. If you can add a second language, even better. But communication and uh, the, the ability to use technology proficiently. So that's, uh, are you not just specific programs and software, but are you able to pick up new technology software quickly? Because that's te technology has changed every, every couple of months, there's a new technology coming out. So oh, we totally. have to keep adapting. And so really the idea here is you need to be able to adapt to technology, not necessarily come in knowing how to use Microsoft Excel or PowerPoint or whatever. Those are the basis, but it's, it's can you adapt so that as you get older, when you're 50, 60 years old, you're still relevant and you're not oh, yeah. some old person who's going to get laid off or whatever because you're seen as that old guy. So I think those two areas of communication and, and technology, no matter what your job function, if you're strong in those two, the sky's the limit on starting your own business or just being a good employee um, the, the sky is truly the limit. I really appreciate you uh, drawing that distinction because I think it's super important. My dad, who was on episode three, for those of you listening to that one uh, back a couple episodes ago, is, a, is, is an attorney. He's a business and real estate attorney. And he, with a partner, started Washington State's first virtual law firm which effectively is, a, they all have their home offices, they have a cloud computer, they share some of the hard costs, the bookkeeping, the E&O insurance, um, but they all practice sort of independently. And as a result, their fee structures are much more competitive than someone who has massive overhead and you know, interns and paralegals and all these salaries to pay. And it's really shifting not only the way he practices law sort of from a practical stance, but he's literally can travel like he was just in India for the new year and then is back in Portugal where he lives a couple months a year and can practice law in Washington state from Portugal. It's pretty incredible what's, what's possible now. That's, that is incredible. It's a great story. I know several companies like that in the legal space and the tax accounting space. Mm -hmm. These are industries where you, you think of kind of uh, big business, uh, you know, big four, um, mm -hmm. more corporate, type of places or corporate industries. And, and it's changing because uh, my father's in the oil and gas industry and they're known, especially in Texas, uh, oil and gas is known as a good old boys club, extremely oh, totally. bureaucratic. And the price of oil has been so low for the last six years or so. And that's forced the oil companies to change their business models. They can't, they can't be the good old boys network anymore because once the going gets tough, you got to slash and you got to find other ways to be even more efficient for, for lower costs. And so that industry is going through major, major changes. Every industry, the financial industry went through major, major changes in 2008, 2009. And I keep telling people that whenever that next recession comes, we know it's going to come. We just don't know when um, it's mm -hmm. been, more than 10 years since we had a recession. Yep. Whenever that comes, that's going to be the next major transformation for, for many, most industries where they're going to go from the, the idea, I think the idea of corporatism and the idea of a college education, um, after this next recession, it's, they're just going to change forever. 
uh, I think for, for the better, I think in a, mm-hmm. in a mm-hmm. push forward, but um, they're, they're going to change forever to the point that uh, people are going to have to be forced to be more entrepreneurial, take the freelance kind of independent contractor route companies as well. And it's going to make values even more value skills and in value creation, even more valuable in, in the economy and in the workplace. So the economy has been doing extremely, extremely well over the past, really since, since the great recession, especially over the past couple of years. So it's, it's not going to come yet, but when it, we know it's going to come, it's just how it works. It's going to come totally. at some point. And when it does come, um, there are going to be major, major, major changes and technology is going to be at the forefront of those changes. I couldn't agree with you more that uh, you've articulated that so well, going back to your, your effective communication uh, ed- piece of advice. That was really great. Well, we're, we are unfortunately getting to the end of our time because I, I want to respect the rest of your afternoon here, but I do have one more question before we move into the final segment, uh, which relative to someone starting out now, like let's just say the books went away, the company went away, like, and you had to start over with $500 and an iPhone. Uh, what would you do to rebuild yourself? That's, that's a great question. And I, it, it just reminds me of kind of when I was getting started, um, what I did to, to essentially start over from scratch was uh, two, two major things. I contacted people who I knew respected me, people who I'd work, worked with in the past. Um, and I said, hey, I'm open for business. And so with that $500, the first thing I would do was create a website. That way people know that I'm a legitimate business. I have something that they can see in front of them, like what we do. So mm-hmm. that would be the first thing I do. And then the second thing I do, because the rest of the stuff, I don't have to pay any money. I can just call people, email them, but with the rest of the money, I would write a book about what my expertise is. And that's something that I already did in 2014. I just was going through some tough times with my business as I was getting started. And um, I said, you know what, I've, I've got this great book idea and I feel like it needs to be shared with the world. And that book ended up being Podcastnomics, the book of podcasting to make you millions, which went on to sell over 15,000 copies is still selling extremely well today, um, came out during a peak period in podcast or an inflection point in podcasting. Thanks to the podcast serial. It was the first time many people had even heard of what a podcast was. Mm-hmm. And so, um, that book didn't just put money in my pocket, um, to take home, but it also grew my business, grew my clientele. I was asked to speak at conferences, asked to do podcast interviews, media interviews, you name it. It just kind of took me to the next level and the total cost of me publishing it was was like less than $200 because I had to wow. put in time to write the book but right. I hired I hired designers editors all that found people overseas to do my work great experience and now that experience has led me to create Krish Publishing which is an arm of my company Krish Media and Marketing where we help authors and publishers publish their book edit their book go live market and promote their books so um, those are probably the two first things I would do. I would spend that money on website, spend that money on, um, on, on write, writing and publishing a book and, and 
without spending any money, I would definitely promote myself using social media and also just getting in touch with people who I am or, or who, who I think respect me. Man, that's really fantastic advice. I, I love the way you broke that down. And I also think you just dispelled the myth of how much it has to cost to write a book that sells a, a reasonable amount of copies. Cause I think most people have it in their head that it would take years and thousands of dollars. And you're telling us that you know, aside from the time component, it can, it can be relatively inexpensive and fairly easy to get something out there. I wrote the entire book in three to four months. So, and that's taking breaks, taking weekends off. Um, so it's, it's, it can be done if you focus, if you sit down in front of your computer or, and, and get it done. Well, it doesn't have to be book anything. If you just focus, um, better chance it's going to happen. So uh, like I said, three to four months to write that book and the amount of money that, that I spent on it, uh, almost zero. I mean, it was, it was quite minimal. So um, then just hit the submit button, go live, and you see how the market reacts to it. And I was very fortunate that it reacted well. Definitely looking forward to uh, following up with what you do over the next couple of years. But um, like I said, I want to respect the rest of your afternoon here. So I'm going to transition us to the focus five, which is the same five questions I ask every guest on every show. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. So first book, or excuse me, first question is what book have you gifted most often? Uh, My book, 50 Shades of Marketing. It's it's uh, it's my book. That's why I gift it. Of course, uh, I have many copies of it, and I truly do believe that it's one of the great primers on on marketing out there. And I'm trying not to be biased, but I I, I think it's my best piece of work. The sales don't support it actually, because for whatever reason, the market has has liked the books that I didn't think were that great. Um, mm. But hey, the, the market has a tendency to work in in weird ways. But Fifty Shades of Marketing, I think, is the most valuable book I've written. Just, I mean, it, it's, it costs like $5 and there's thousands and thousands of dollars worth of value in there. So highly recommend it. Well, we'll have to link to that in the show notes so you guys can get the underrated uh, version of, the, of his work here. Um, if you could get an hour of somebody's time, past or present, live or dead, and ask as many questions as you wanted, who would that person be and why? Well, that's, that's somewhat a tough one. Um, I say it's tough because in today's environment, it's so easy to get in front of people. And what mm-hmm. I mean by that is they, you, they've got someone living today, a celebrity, a famous person living today. They've got a Twitter. They've got other social media. They've got a podcast. They've got a book. There's so much about them that you don't need to get in front of them. All the answers are right there in front of you. And so I think to, to accurately answer your question, we need to go back to before all the technology was in play and um, go back and, and, and look at people who, who did some remarkable things without the technology, with, who, who, who were in a, in a different time period. And so for me, surprisingly, I think uh, I've always been interested in entrepreneurs and their life. And Steve Jobs is someone who's, I mean, very intriguing life. Like he was a somewhat puzzling individual, not the nicest human being in the world by any means. Uh, But the guy was, you can't dispute that he was an absolute innovative genius. Uh, People are geniuses in their own ways. And he was a a genius in in his own way. And he actually uh, came to fame before all this stuff. 
he helped contribute. I mean, the iPhone has changed the world and it's changed my life and your life and so many lives. Mm -hmm. But he was, I mean, he helped create this world that we live in today. And so that's mm -hmm. why I think he, uh, I, I read his biography. I read, I watched the movie about him. I watched several movies about him. And I'm always just constantly trying to learn more about him, not necessarily be like him, but, but just learn more about him and um, the way that he thought. Great answer, man. Appreciate that. Uh, give us a glimpse of your morning routine. How do you start your day? I'm actually not a morning person. I'm a night owl. I get my best work done at night when everyone else is uh, watching TV or not working. I have very little distractions and I'm able to get just a lot done. So in the morning, I, I don't, I, I spend most of my time either sleeping or working. There mm -hmm. isn't much of a routine after that. It's at night where I get my workouts in, some exercise, get some other mental activities going on. I get a, a lot of my best work done, the writing. It's actually at nighttime. I love that you've, you, you haven't necessarily forced yourself into something that's not a natural fit there. Cause it's, uh, it's important to recognize where, when you do your best work and what kind of person you are and, and just lean into that. I'll, I'll also say that the morning, um, and this is just something I've noticed and I've read research and studies about this. Uh, people who come in early. So if you work at a job, if you come in early, you're not as appreciated as the guy who stays late. It's just, hmm. uh, it's just something research and has found. It's a mental thing. When you stay late, People appreciate that more and you'll probably be praised more. Whereas you come in early, it, it's just not, you know, it's, it's just not as seen as, as great with other people. Now, in my hmm. case, I found that the bulk of my deals, like my big productivity business, et cetera, happens in the afternoons. And, and I've also found that when in serious negotiations or meetings, uh, I actually have a leg up in the afternoon because it's almost like the, the, the person on the other side of the line is in a mm -hmm. rush to get their day done or they're, they may not be as, um, as attentive, uh, attentive as, as I am because I'm very well rested. And, and there's this activist investor named Carl Icahn and he, he wrote, I think he put it in a book that he wrote, but he said that he's an afternoon night person and it helps them a lot when negotiating deals because people are tired at the end of the day, whereas he's completely energized and refreshed and he's able to call the shots and do all sorts of things. Whereas other people just want to get out of the meeting and that they're willing to give up, uh, you know, give up a lot in the negotiation just because of the time of the day. That's really fascinating. And I, I totally believe that everyone's got that kind of two o'clock slump. You're almost to the end of the day. And uh, that's really fascinating that that psychology really kind of makes a difference in, in practical ways like a negotiation, but in other ways, like how you're appreciated at work. Thank you so much for everything that you've brought to the table today. Uh, what is the best place online that we can connect with you? Go to my website, nareshvisa.com, nareshvisa.com. And I, br I brought up my, both of my books, Podcastnomics and 50 Shades of Marketing. Mm -hmm. I'll give your listeners a special deal. They go to my website, nareshvisa.com, get on my email list, contact me through the website. My email address is there and just contact me. Say that you heard me on this show. You liked what I had to say. I'll send you a free copy of, of either book. 
um, just let me know which one you want and I'll, I'll send you a free copy. Right on. Well, that's a, that's a really fantastic offer. Guys, you got to take advantage of that one. Uh, NarishVista.com. That's all down in the show notes. And then he'll send you either a copy of 50 Shades of Marketing or a Podcastonomics. Um, go check those out. And uh, Narish, thank you so much for your time today, man. You've really brought the heat and you've uh, definitely delivered a ton of value to the audience. So uh, really looking forward to staying connected with you and seeing your success here starting in 2020. All right. Sounds good. It was a pleasure being on. Thanks for joining in for this episode of Another Way to Play, making the next chapter of your life better than your last. For more insights and inspiration to help you make that personal leap, be sure to engage with Hans on social media and get your questions answered right here on the show. Reach out to Hans at Chief SNAH on Instagram, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Another Way to Play.